Well, welcome to the August podcast where we're highlighting latest papers uploaded to our website. Now, all content discussed is available in more detailed slide format at sitekindsignaling.com, our free resource website. Now, as ever, for August, we've had a look right across the literature and we've added four papers to the CSF website. I'd like to highlight two of these in particular in this podcast. Now, the first paper we're highlighting reports findings from a retrospective observational study which used real-world US clinical data set to examine the effectiveness of switching to a therapy with an alternate mechanism of action versus cycling between TNF inhibitors in patients in which TNF inhibitor therapy had failed. Uh, the, the lead author here is Professor Wei from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. Now, the study period was from 1st April 2010 through 31st March 2015, during which time this rheumatology software application Jointman was used to collect real-world data. The date of the first prescription for subsequent TNF inhibitor or new mechanism of action use was designated as a study index date. The first and second therapy switches were analysed. Now, the first was at the study index date, the second was captured on the analysis of switchers post-index, telling you effectively what happened to people. Now, the key results, 613 of the observed patients failed a TNF inhibitor therapy and then either cycled to another TNF inhibitor, that's 54%, or switched to a therapy with an alternate mode of action, that's uh, 46%. One-year mean reduction in CDI was greater in the mechanism of action switchers. This was initially a significant difference compared with the TNF inhibitor cyclers. However, once baseline CDI was accounted for, the difference was not significant. Amongst patients with moderate or high disease activity at baseline, those who switched to a new mechanism of action were more likely to achieve minimal clinically important difference in CDI. The mechanism of action in switchers, that is people who changed a different mode of action, demonstrated longer persistence of treatment compared with TNF cyclers, because the TNFI cyclers had a higher rate of swapping therapies. Well, the conclusions from this study suggest that a more evidence-based approach to switching therapy versus cycling is needed in the management of people with rheumatoid arthritis. There's the suggestion that maybe a change in mode of action is a sensible way to go, but really we need more evidence to give a definitive view on that matter. Now, the second paper I'd like to highlight this month looks at the results of an analysis of non-melanoma skin cancer across the tofacitinib rheumatoid arthritis clinical program. And the lead author here is Professor Jeff Curtis from the University of Alabama. Now, this analysis looked to determine the rate of non-melanoma skin cancer instance per 100 patient years in patients with rheumatoid arthritis receiving tofacitinib in the context of a clinical trial program. Atofsa doses used in the two phase one, eight phase two, and six phase three studies range from one, three, five, 10, 15, through 30 milligrams given twice daily and a 20 milligram once daily dose as monotherapy or given together with conventional synthetic DMARs, which are mainly methotrexate in practice. Patients who enrolled into the two year long extension studies received treatment with five or 10 milligrams twice daily orally. And the following data sets were analyzed, phase one, two, three, long-term extension, uh, phase one, two, three, phase three, global long-term extension studies, and a Japanese long-term extension study. 
Incidence rates were analyzed by sex, ethnicity, age, and prior TNF inhibitor therapy use as a surrogate, if you like, for disease resistance. Now, in total, 83 of the 6,092 patients included, that's 3.6%, had non-melanoma skin cancer events across 15,103 patient years. The phase one, two, and three instance rates combined for both tofacitinib 5 or 10 milligrams were low and were comparable to those uh, in groups of patients receiving adalimumab, methotrexate, or placebo. And and this is important, the incidence rates remain stable over time. Patients with prior TNF inhibition exposure had significantly higher non-melanoma skin cancer incidence rates compared to those who were naive to that therapy. Other risk factors included being Caucasian, male and more than or equal to 65 years of age. Now, the conclusions from this are that, first of all, the instance rates for non-melanoma skin cancer for patients receiving tofacitinib in a clinical development program were consistent with published instance rates and patients with rheumatoid arthritis receiving TNF inhibitors and other biologic DMARDs. The instance rate was low in general and remained stable over time. Of the twice-daily tofacitinib doses, 10 milligrams had higher non-melanoma skin cancer incidence rates than 5 milligrams in the long-term extension studies. This was a numerical rather than statistically significant difference, meaning that long-term surveillance is probably necessary to confirm and extend the significance of these results. Now, additional papers for August include an evaluation of newly proposed remission cutoff points for DAS28 and rheumatoid arthritis upon IL-6 pathway inhibition and a comparison by systematic review and Bayesian network meta-analysis regression of discontinuation rates of tofacitinib and biologic DMARDs. Now, uh, finally, don't forget that all the materials are available in the publication section of the cytokinesignaling.com website. I hope you'll find them useful. And as ever, it's a real pleasure to have you join us. I do hope you find these podcasts useful. Good luck in your practice.